The state of Washington and the greater Seattle community is mourning the loss of former state Senator George Fleming. Fleming served in the state legislature for 22 years and was one of the most influential members of the Senate during his tenure. We can talk about George Fleming and his legacy as former King County Executive and former Deputy Secretary of the United uh, of HUD, Ron Sims and Nate Miles. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. All right. Uh, Ron, let's start with you because many people know you from your time on the King County Council and as County Executive and all things that have occurred uh, in your life and political career after that. But uh, if it had been for George Fleming, we might not have known the Ron Sims that we know today. Well, I absolutely agree. Uh, uh, Senator Fleming um, broke down the walls uh, and allowed people like me to uh, run for office. It allowed people uh, from me, like me to be able to get the attention of others. So when I look at my career, uh, both on the county council and my, per, my career working for the uh, first African-American president of the United States, uh, I go back and I think about Senator Fleming taking a risk with me and allowing me to work for him. He put demands on me regarding my performance and my conduct and my need to achieve excellence every single day. Um, and it, it, it served me very well, and I believe it, uh, and I think my career reflects that. But without Senator Fleming, I would not have been on the county council. I would not have been a county executive, and I would not have been selected by President Obama to work for him. Right. And, Nate, I think there's a similar sentiment uh, with you as well. Uh, can you tell us about uh, Senator Fleming and his impact, uh, not just on Seattle, but on you as well early in your career? Well, I, like Ron, um, came from a background very similar in coming out of uh, the broadcast business. I was coming out of Cairo at the time and really looking for kind of a career change in when I when I left broadcasting, the, the the guy said to me, "I'll never forget his words." He said, "I sure hope you um, uh, have a good career in politics because your career in broadcasting is going to be over when you leave this office because you're too political for being around here." We had a big political fight at the office that day, and I thought about it, and I was very political in what I was doing, and so I started looking for a job in politics and. There were some people who were out there, uh, Mayor Royer, uh, some of the city council people that were there, and I could not find um, a, a job, even though I wanted to be involved in, in, in politics and did the volunteering and some of those other things that you do. And then there was this guy who, you know, people said he's gruff and he's hard and um, he'll just work you like a dog, uh, named Senator George Fleming. You probably don't want to talk with him because, you know, if you're not used to it and you've never really worked in this business, you know, he, he'll he chew you up and spit you out. And it sounded just like the challenge that I wanted to do. And so I went over and talked to him. We had a very gruff interview. And at the end of it, he said, I like you. And can you start to work on Monday? And one thing led to another. And, you know, I went to work for him. And I tell you, very much like Ron, after the eight years of working with Senator Fleming, I left there and was a much better man, but more importantly, uh, much improved uh, 
government official myself and working with poli- on policy and that sort of thing because you learn to have an eye for it and you learn to work late hours. You learn not to get done until the job is done. And that's the kind of person I became in my work ethic. That's become the kind of person I became in my public official, you know, in my public area. And uh, it's because of Senator Fleming. Right. And I'm going to ask some questions and uh, you guys can both kind of feel free to jump in uh, where you feel it's relevant um, just so we can have this a free flowing kind of a, a conversation this morning. Uh, you know, when we talk about the power to persuade, the ability to build consensus and being able to get things done politically, you know, it takes a special person uh, with a special persuasive demeanor to be able to get things done and bring resources to your community especially in a state like Washington, where there's a small black population uh, when compared to other parts of the country. And in, in Senator Fleming's case, being the only black person in the Senate and convincing a majority of his colleagues to pass uh, anything is not easy. And with that being said, in, in your opinion, what was the most impressive political accomplishment uh, that you witnessed Senator Fleming, Fleming pull off uh, or orchestrate? Was the celebration of Martin Luther King Day holiday. Um, Senate didn't want to do that. Um, and um, he had a way of telling people it's going to be a celebration. Um, it first comes, it's the first thing that comes to mind. I just remember that happening. He fundamentally changed the culture of the Washington State Senate. And he changed the culture of politics in Washington State. So it was okay to be an African-American who was respected, asking others to respect us as African-Americans. I, you know, that was really interesting. And the turnaround was pretty remarkable. I can remember um, President Obama coming out here as a candidate. And um, he was asking a lot of questions, and he kept asking, who change this? And we, all of us would say, well, it was Senator George Fleming. Uh, and um, uh, we were mentored by others as well, but he was the catalyst. Um, and he says, one day I hope I meet him. I, I, I want to know how he did it. And, and um, But I just remember that it was an interesting conversation from a person who was running nationally who did not suspect or expect, excuse me, the region to be so welcoming of African-Americans. And all we could say is, you know, we had a person who carried himself, uh, fought for issues, stood up, had integrity, great reputation from the University of Washington in particular, um, was active in the community, made time for to listen to people, had ministerial backgrounds and support, uh, had people who were old and young, uh, supporting him, uh, and I think he was just saying, "Wow, who is? They don't, it'll make people like that. Who is this person?" And all we, everybody he, he met here said, "You got to copy Senator George Fleming. He was the he was the person that authored a lot of changes, um, at a, you know, and and persevered and had the he ran marathons on behalf of a community that needed attention." Um, and he was also welcoming of other people. Um, I will never forget how touched he was about um, 
acknowledging what happened to the Japanese uh, in the state as they were imprisoned in World War II. They were state citizens put in camps. And I remember saying to him, well, in my neighborhood in Spokane, we all knew that. Senator Fleming did not. And he really moved to say, hold it, never again, and we need to recognize what happened. And he had a, uh, an event where many of them packed the Senate, and the, they were upstairs, they were downstairs. Um, as people came and said, here, we will never do this again, and there was people who were citing this proclamation that we will never do it again. So he didn't wasn't just an African-American senator. He was a senator of conscience. He wanted us to be a better people, no matter who we were, no matter what our views were. And that, to me, made him an exceptional person. And I would also say, um, Chris, that one of the things when I look at him and you say, well, what was the thing to me? Senator Fleming came to the Senate at a time when he had people. In, in the Senate, you have a members-only elevator. And only the members can ride on the elevator. Here was the guy that came at a time when some of his own members didn't want to ride on the elevator or would get off the elevator when he got on. And he persevered, as Ron said, even through that, and still got on and said, I'm not going to be bitter. I'm just going to beat you. And to, to, to change their hearts, he went through and changed some of these people's hearts. And it was just unbelievable how he did this. And the things that, that for this state, he couldn't do it by himself. So he looked around and he saw, and if you want to ask me what was probably the most important thing that he did, it was understanding that he couldn't do it all by himself. Most of policy happens in the um, uh, staff side. So he looked at the staff, which was pretty lily white down there, and he told the chief of staff, you will hire black people down here, and you will bring them down here. And they said, we can't find any of them. None of them want to, you know, the exclusive. None of them want to drive all the way down to Olympia. He said, some of them will. So they started doing stuff like hiring. He said, either you will find them or I will fire you. And they started doing everything from hiring them out of Tacoma to bringing them straight out of law school, to bringing people that were already in Olympia and getting them jobs, helping them find homes around that area. So that you had people like um, uh, Lynn French, Vicky Fabre, myself. You, you, you talk about all of the different people. Kevin Johnson that came down there. Whittier Johnson, who was on the fisheries, who brought them down there and worked on fishery issues. Uh, Lynn French, who can do budgets today because he worked on the Ways and Means Committee with... Um, uh, Senator Jim, or Senator Jim McDermott's office. Um, these people came there, and they got a true understanding of what government was all about. Annette Swilly in Tacoma, um, Bobby Richardson out of Tacoma. I mean, these people got a real understanding about government and how it works. He changed the face of the place. But as Ron said, not just black people. Gene Fong, Roseburg Fosnaw, who just passed, to, you know, um, um, he brought people down there that could do things. Um, women, he opened, he passed the Women and Minority Business Enterprise Office to give chances to people around the state. And so there was so much that he did. I mean, we could go on for this hour, but I, you said the one thing, and I think the one thing that I just have to say is 
change. He changed the landscape. He changed the policies. He changed the environment. He changed the people, which is how he was able to change this state. And I think Nate is raising an excellent issue because people don't realize the power of the legislature to change attitudes throughout the entire state because they become news items. They become what people refer to. So it's not just all of a sudden this little thing that cooks in Olympia and that makes Olympia better. It, it literally flows uh, into the political systems around the state, the party systems around the state, the business community around the state, realizing that when they come down to Olympia to do business, they may have a woman in front of them, a person of color in front of them, a person of another faith in front of them. And so I've always said that he basically changed the entire texture of this state. And so that all of a sudden we became, I always call a much more modern state and a place where people felt they could make investments and attract talent. And when you look at the state of Washington, there is no reason why anybody should have stopped here. Why didn't they go back to New York or, you know, Chicago or Los Angeles uh, or Vancouver, Canada? They came to this state because somebody rewrote the rules and created a new vision. And I think in large part that was because of Senator Fleming. He had a, and he never wanted, he, had, he wasn't a person that said, look at me, look how important I am. It was a person that said, talked about the we often. And I used to say to him, do you ever use the word I? And he says, I played, uh, and he always used to go, go back to sports. Sports is a we. You become championships when we were we. I want the state to be the champion. We're going to be a we. And I think Nate got those same lectures. Sometimes you just go, can you hunt? You brag a little bit about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, Chris, when I go in there sometimes, talking about how I had done something and did not do this and did not do this. He would say he would say one or two things. He said, yeah, you did it. He said, yeah, but look at the name on the door. Who's the senator and who votes? Yes, bro. <laughs> <laughs> we both got those lectures. <laughs> right. Don't get, don't get too beside me. So he'd let you know whose office it was. That was number one. Or if I got too excited about something I'd done, he would say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even a blind hog runs up on an occasional acorn. So it ain't like you did it all the time. So um, he was just that kind of guy that would keep you grounded because he was so grounded. You know, it wasn't like he didn't pat you on the back, though, if you needed it. If he saw that you were down a little bit, he'd always have a joke and, and that big belly laugh that he would do to bring you up, too, because he was just as human as he could be. And, you know, and you were, you, you were talking about just a minute ago when Ron was talking a minute ago about things that are still around this state. I mean, I talk about working around this state and needing things. Everybody's talking about the homelessness and you're building houses right now. There is a passage in the Bible that talks about, you know, people sleeping under trees that were, you know, that they never uh, planted and getting the shade of those trees and, and drinking from wells that they never dug. Senator Fleming, we're all going to be drinking from some of those wells and, and in the shade of some of those trees. There were houses that people will sleep in and have been sleeping in for years since Senator Fleming got out of public service through this thing called the Housing uh, Trust Fund. That the um, 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 
that Ron and he helped to put together with a guy named Kim Herman that pays um, tax credits without be, becoming too much of a policy wonk. This 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 trust fund went through and it helped to to uh, developers develop uh, low income properties and middle income properties so that it could create homes for people who might never have a home and they don't know how that house got there they will never know how that house got there they will never know how that home got there but somewhere know that Ron Sims's name as the staff person who you won't see. George Fleming's name, who you, whose name you won't see, maybe got there. But Kim Herman's, whose name you may not see, that got there. But that piece of legislation had these three gentlemen's name all over it, and that piece of legislation that went through created those tax credits for this commission that was put in place. That is today, still today, creating housing opportunities for them. And finally, about a month ago. They dedicated a, a, a property down off Rainier in Senator Fleming's name. And I'm so glad that it was able to be dedicated before he passed on, because if there was anybody that needed something dedicated in their honor, it was him. Right. And, you know, it, in understanding the political process, and a lot, a lot of people um, do, know, do not, um, and I don't pretend to know all the intricacies about, intricacies about the political process, you know, you, you look at people like George Fleming and you look at other people throughout history who might even be in other states um, and you think about their accomplishments and people just think, OK, they were down there and able to get it done. But in that legislative process, I mean, it, it takes years to get things through because you got to work through them. You got to get people to help sponsor the bill. You got to get people you got to get it into a committee. You got to get it out of a committee. Then after it comes from a committee, it, it can go to uh ways and means and rules all over the place and so and then at the end of the day senator fleming only had one vote and so to be uh during that time uh, a person who's you know creating these relationships and creating this understanding for the need um when you think about that that makes the accomplishments of all the things that he was able to get done that are still in place today they're having an impact on people's lives they don't realize even that much more impressive i would say Senator Fleming had an incredible number of people who held him in very high regard. Um, he had members of the Senate who didn't, who had bills in their name, but he's the one that got brought the bills to them and said, "Will you be the prime sponsor of this?" Um, so he built careers, and he earned his, and and he, and by doing that, he got respect. He was fair to everybody. Even not with staff, but he always said, "Staff, you do not. You are not the senator." I remember Nate and I were joking about the other day. You're not the senator. You're the staffer. And so the issue was, how do we um, approach uh, members? And we approach them as a staffer, providing services, ideas, written materials. Those things are necessary. The one thing that I'll never forget was. Japanese American repu uh, reparations legislation, and the state had interned and participated during World War II at putting Japanese in camps. And this woman came down; two women came down, and said, K 
can you just apologize? And Senator Fleming sat there and listened to them. And when they that Senator Simmons, I want a memo on my desk explaining all of this to me. And he ran that bill, and that apology was given to thousands of Japanese who were citizens of the United States and residents of the state of Washington who were taken out of their homes and put in camps in Idaho and Montana. And they came back to the state, and all they wanted was an apology for what happened to them. I have never seen tears flow more like a a dam burst than when those Japanese-Americans were celebrating what Senator Fleming did for them at an event. They hugged him. They had tears. They just would not let him go because it was an apology that many of them had been waiting for for decades. And he... And he gave an impassioned speech on the floor of the Senate and reminding them of what happened and said, never again, never again. And I remember hearing that saying, here, here is Senator Fleming. It wasn't his fault. He didn't do anything. It wasn't his fault. But he was getting the entire state to apologize for what it did to a group of its citizens. And that will always be with me because Senator Fleming said, you know, justice is never too late. And I remember saying to myself, that's an interesting phrase to use. Justice never comes too late. And they got their justice. They got their respect. They got their apology. And Senator Fleming did it as only Senator Fleming can. And I tell you, after that, they, had, they hugged him and hugged him. And Senator Fleming wasn't a hugger. But they were never going to let Senator Fleming not get hugged. And it was funny for me to watch this, this post road champion and senator being hugged and hugged and hugged. And they were squeezing him. They were putting tears on his shoulders. And, and he maintained this. He was a senator. But you could tell that he was really touched by what he did, by this, by his legislation. And other people wanted to take credit for it. That's what they were amazing. Exactly. Other people say, well, that was my idea. I was going to go, no, it was Senator Plimpton's idea. Excuse me, go, go ahead, mate. No, no, I said exactly. He had so many people that would try to steal his ideas because he would give it to them. But they wanted it that bad that they wanted to try to take it. He would say, go ahead. Because, it, it, just like Ron said, the, 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 the credit wasn't his big issue. That was not his big issue at all, taking credit. It was getting the job done. And, and, and I tell you, one of the things that were, were, was so amazing to me, when, when, when Ron was talking about an, an emotional moment, I will never forget another emotional moment by a piece of legislation Senator Fleming pushed through. It was called curb cuts. It was some of the, one of these things that you don't even pay any attention to. Ron, remember curb cuts? Yep. So there, there, there's this deal. Even before the ADA, everybody remembers the Americans with Disability Act, and you had to do all of this stuff. Well, before they even had all of that, there was this deal that, that, that Senator Fleming pushed through the uh, Department of Transportation. If you rebuilt the sidewalk, you had to rebuild it with a curb cut in it and so that a w- person in a wheelchair could go down it. And I'll never forget, this woman came into his office, and she wanted to see him. So 
um, Bobby said, well, what, what is it that you need to send? She said, I need to talk to, to send him from, and so he came off the floor and, um, and the lady was just in tears and she wanted to thank him for sponsoring this bill on curb cuts. And so I hadn't been there when they passed curb cuts. And she said that her husband was a veteran who had lost his legs fighting for his country. So he had very little ability to stay in his wheelchair and they came to a curb prior to curb cuts and she was trying to push him across and the chair fell forward before she could get the brake on and he fell out in the mud. And here was this American veteran, this hero, this war hero that had fought for his country and she was stuck there trying to get him out of a mud in the rain. And she was so alone by herself until somebody came along, stopped and got out of their car and came back and put him back in his wheelchair and now that this curb cut legislation was there, she just wanted to thank it. And it, and it, again, it was like Ron said, Senator Fleming didn't get moved easy. But when you, when you, when you touch him in a certain way, he became this big giant teddy bear. And that was one of the times that I saw something get to him. Because here was this woman in front that came wherever she came from to tell him, because that legislation had already passed. It was, again, getting the shade of trees that you never planned. This lady didn't know him. I don't know what her husband thought of him, but all I know is that day they were, they were on one accord and that, that was Senator Clement. He did those things, not because of that lady, not because it's like for him and a thousands of other people that may need that. And that's, that's just, that was just him. He did stuff like that all the time. Gentlemen, we have a, a few minutes uh, remaining. Um, to close up the conversation, let's talk a little bit about um, the legacy that Senator Fleming leaves behind him. You know, I, I'm sure that both of you in your careers always kind of look back and uh, to Senator Fleming to kind of gauge what his admiration or approval or whatever you want to call it uh, is of, of what you guys were able to accomplish, you know, individuals and collectively. But uh what do you want people to know about Senator Fleming? And if they don't remember anything else about this conversation today, uh, what would you want them to remember uh, about Senator George Fleming? The lives of my grandchildren will be unimpeded. They will be able to use their talents to achieve unimpeded. They will have opportunities that I didn't have and their parents didn't have. Because one man got up and he spent his life saying that we should be able to pursue the best in us without barriers, without restrictions, and we're gonna have a good education system, we're gonna be able to go to college, we're gonna be able to get employment without being discriminated, no matter who we are. Unimpeded life. That is something that is doesn't exist in most places of the world. It exists because one senator of conscience wanted the best for every person who lived in this state. And, and I would have to echo a whole lot of that and to probably to add on to it the fact that I would say that 
Senator Fleming also taught and us to number one, harbor no ill will in your heart to those who do bad against you because it will come back. Because he had an ill will, whether it was it had some bad things done against him, whether it was the people who didn't want to ride on the elevators because he knew, as you said earlier, Chris, that he would still need their votes. Number two, um, I remember something that's just as crazy and it came across my mind. When he was the Rose Bowl champion, uh, and people always think about his football exploits, Senator Fleming had so many things in there. He, 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 he had all of these yards. He had the field goals. He had the extra points, and he became MVP of the Rose Bowl, co-MVP, because they didn't want no black guy just being the MVP by himself. And he did all of this, and it became all conference and all of that. And at the time, and in, 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 at the University of Washington, they only let black people, they stacked them, they call them, playing left half back. And I said, why did you guys have to play left half back? And he said, because they didn't think black folks were smart enough to play right half back, as if there was a difference in being smarter at left half back or right half back than left half back. And so then when I saw all of these yards and stuff that he got in in, 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 in playing, and he only had like nine carries or six carries. I said, Senator, how did you get all of that with six carries? He said, and this is what he left me with, and this is what he ought to leave everybody to know. No matter what you're given, make the most of it. Senator Fleming looked at me deadpan, and he said, I knew that I wasn't going to get to carry the ball much, so I better, when I did get it, I better make the most out of it. So if you know that you're being discriminated against, if you know that racism still is out there, if you know that people sexism still exists in this country, if you know that you have barriers that are up against you because it ha- they haven't been broken down yet, don't pretend that they don't exist. Just know that they're out there, but make the best of it. So when you get your shot, when you get your education, make the most of it. When you get your position at work, make the most of it. When you get whatever it is you've been dealt, whatever cards you've been dealt, Make the most of it. And don't go around crying about what you didn't get. Make the most of what you did get. And that was Senator Fleming. Uh, but I can't, I've got to, this is not a closing, because Nate is selling it, saying so eloquently. Nate and I were there when the University of Washington, after decades, finally honored Senator Fleming on the field of play. And they brought him out there, and they gave him it was never in the Hall of Fame after all the things he did. And we were there the day that the athletic department and the football team honored Senator George Fleming for his play, for his, pers- for his, being, his strength as a human being, and for his play on the field. And you talk about emotional moments. I mean, there were people in the stands who were just cheerful because here they were honoring an African-American player for the first time who had done extraordinary things and civic good. And Senator Fleming praised, just praised people. He didn't say, I once. Not Not once. once. Not once. Not once. That was him. That 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 encapsulates the whole thing about we, gentlemen. Yeah, 
gentlemen, I want to thank you for joining us on today's show. Thank you for this conversation. Thank you for sharing uh, your experiences and your insight with Senator Fleming. So uh, people who may not uh, might know him from a distance or may not know him at all can really have some insight uh, into his impact uh, on our community, his legacy, um, and all the contributions he's made that we don't realize that we enjoy today. But thank you, thank you too, uh, Chris, for your, especially with the next generation, being able to pass that on and allow us to pass it on. This is where it all happens right here. If we don't tell you, how will the next generation know? Nate said it so well, and I would say amen. You have a great weekend. All righty. Thanks, Ron.